0: Um, good to see everyone uh, Let's pray Gracious and Heavenly Father for this day um, Thank you and as always Lord I beg that you are uh, here And these would be your words Correct me where I am in error or wrong And strengthen uh, which you would have us, known, uh, us know In Jesus name, Amen, Amen. Um, Just by way of announcement uh, on the heels of a uh, Of uh, what Frank had mentioned, obviously this week is is beginning of Lent with Ash Wednesday and around here that has a special timbre with the Lenten Preaching Series. And I would, I'm going to kind of say this whenever I can. Uh, You know, I hope people will come. I hope you'll come to the Preaching Series and I hope you'll invite people to look around the room and a lot of y'all do. Um, It it will be hard, humanly speaking, to top this year's lineup. I mean, it's really good. Things just kind of fell into place. With a good mixture of authors and pre-, pe- pre all of them are preachers, but people who also didn't write books, who are great preachers. It just will, there's not a miss in in the lineup. I hope you'll come, and I hope you'll invite your friends. And uh, you know, humanly speaking, uh, people in the pews is is something that's important to us. Now we're aware that our uh, our um, our website ministry has become substantial a lot of folks can't make it downtown because it's a two and a half hour round trip from your office which I know and it's just not 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 feasible to do but um, either in person or by the web hope you can take advantage of some of the folks that are coming mark golly I mean he's a huge name in the church now he's recently been promoted to the to the head, the number one in the whole of the organization, Christianity Today, which has a you know, remarkable history in the last 60 years of what's called the Evangelical Church in America. Um, you know, he's uh, He'll be here Thursday and Friday. And then Simeon all Paul's youngest son, who is um, moving into his uh, professional identity as a theologian, um, teaching over at Cambridge right now. He'll be here next uh, in the dean's class. Um, so you have permission to miss this class next week and listen to Simeon. Um, Thank you for laughing. Uh, and um, uh, preaching three days, and then Aaron Zimmerman, who's out in Houston right now, one of the Mockingbird guys, um, just insightful. I think he also went to Harvard, so that just means that he's very he's very bright, you know, and he's got the credentials at least to uh, to make a syllable sound right. Um, Uh, And it just goes on and on and on, right through Fitzsimmons. Allison, one of my personal heroes, who will be here um, in Holy Week the last three days, including Maundy Thursday and preaching Good Friday. And he's really the man who wrote the book, so to speak, on Good Friday. That sounds bad. That's, of course, the Lord. But he wrote the entrance to uh, atonement in the Oxford... um, uh, theological dictionary. Uh, it's actually Fitzsimmons Allison's um, paragraph in there, and so he would be considered uh, by that standard the world's foremost authority on Christ's atonement, and he'll be here preaching on the what we would call the day of the atonement, or at one with the Lord on Good Friday. I mean, it's just really an outstanding um, lineup, so I hope you'll be able to join me as often as you can. So, so with that, I don't know why I'm went there, but it's a good way to start things off and kind of get back into the cadence and settle in. Last week we we began this short little bridge series, this is the middle of it, um, which is uh, ostensibly a, a look at three passages in John, last week the man born blind and John 9, this week Lazarus, and next week kind of a probably combination of Malchus, a little known name in the uh, in the. In the, uh, in the Bible, but that's uh, uh, the slave of the centurion, I guess you'd say. Um, and Peter cut his ear off. Um, and so that's a very interesting story and kind of a throwaway line. Uh, and then probably leading into Pilate, we'll probably look at that as well next week. John's got a fantastic emphasis on individuals. We learn so much about individuals, as we feel like we know something about Mary or Martha, or we feel like we know something about the woman at the well, or the woman caught in adultery, or the man born blind, or Lazarus, or some others, it's because of John. They appear in John's Gospel either exclusively or with great uh, elaboration because of John's cadence and his rhythm, which is very different from from, from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. He, uh, he spends a very... He, what he talks about, he really elaborates on. He doesn't have the breadth of, say, Mark, um, better Luke. Uh, he has the depth that's very unique to John. And so you can kind of smell what uh, when, when a passage is from John by its um, by its detail, by its elaboration. If, if it seems to spend a long time with an individual, with exceptions, obviously, uh, it, it, it'd be good to guess John. Um, so today is Lazarus, um, and we're going to spend a little bit more time, I hope, in the scriptures than we did last time. But the tie-in to the whole theme, to the whole series, this and then, just a way of, again, thinking about scripture and thinking about the, the, the word as it reads us more than we read it, uh, especially in the Gospels. there's a, The Gospels a really unique genre of literature um, pregnant with lots of meaning, just laden with, uh, with pauses that are, that, are, that are meant to be absorbed, that are meant to allow in that, that absorption moment, an and-then moment to happen to each one of us. A pivot point is the word I used last time, uh, because as, the, as the, the stories unfold, we see all these pivot points. I once was blind, and then I could see. That's what the, uh, the, the the man born blind would say. Um, Lazarus uh, had this moment um, where I once was dead, and then I came back to life at the command of Christ, the Lord of life and death. These and then moments. Now, that's obviously the word in the scripture, um, and they're there. We just like to look for them, um, try to highlight some of those really small words, especially like in Paul. The word but is always so important. always... You've heard me say this several of y'all, you know, when TD Jakes always comes to my mind, he says, You gotta get in the butt of God. And he starts going because when but is there, but God, who is rich in mercy, there's that pivot point that Paul likes to really elaborate on. And you slow down and you get in the butt of God, and you feel the uh, the weight of the word on you. Um, I'm not saying anything that Paul says but and John says then, but it's just to, to begin to, to develop that ear for the word. And then, dot, 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 something's about to happen, something definitive, something that's probably um, repeated in a life, your life, my life, on very few occasions, truth be told. We don't have many and then moments. Um, you know, on one level, we have hundreds of them a day. And then I walked into the door, and, uh, and my nose was broken. Um, but no, it's not very... Anyway, um, uh, but really it's, and then the doctor came in, and my life was never the same. Um, and then my child was born, and I knew what love was. And then uh, she said yes. Or, and then he said, I'm leaving. You know, it's these moments that really shape us and define us, and are these pregnant pauses where when we give, uh, when our attention is taken. To them, we 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 see something. Um, something is there. So that's kind of the idea. And today we're going to go through and look at Lazarus, the great story of uh, of Lazarus's um, resuscitation or his resurrection, um, whichever one you want to call it. And we can look at that maybe. Some up with some more art. Pulled some out. Um, Caravaggio's uh, piece on Lazarus, and if we have time, Salvador Salvador Dali's very interesting piece. But we'll look at that. So, as the way towards that, um, the word faith—that's going to be in here. Um, faith and belief. Um, it's important. It's good to to slow down. Let's think about that word just for a moment. Faith. Um, you know, there's George Michael, which comes to my mind. Child of the '80s, gotta have faith, faith, faith. You know, I talked about last week Justin Bieber. It just seems to be this pop fascination. Uh, when I say pop, really, not just pop music, but just you know, our, what's, what's popular and enduring in, in, in the public consciousness. Faith. We want faith. We don't know what that means, really, because it's just kind of bantered about where the word faith is out there, and it's just sort of placed on a billboard, or sung about, or put in a backdrop at a concert, and that's what Bieber was doing and all. Um, but it begs the question, what does that mean? Faith faith in what faith just blind faith that things are going to happen for a reason and things are going to work out and things are going to something i want to say you know fool (laughs) blind faith um and and of course that's the the misrepresentation often of um of christianity well you just got to have faith you just got to believe you know in in what is the good question uh and there is a Definite answer, to be absolutely 100% positive, there is a definite answer. It was an historical point to have faith in the sufficiency of the cross of Christ, where his glory, that's going to be a John word, is, uh, is always revealed, is always shown. So faith, this little word, I'm going to say kind of the, the theological part, and then try to come to a, um, maybe an inward understanding of it, and then we'll look at the, the, uh, the Scripture. Faith is the noun of the verb believe, literally in the Greek. um, The word faith, pisteo, is the noun that's contained in the verb believe. uh, I'm sorry, pistis in pisteo. So faith is the noun of belief. And so that pulls us a little bit, not necessarily to a place, but it pulls us a little bit. Um, I have to have faith which is the noun part, that's the, the, the possessive part, the, the thing which I verb, which I believe. Um, what does that mean? I want to say it's a confidence. It's, a, it's a, an awareness, it's a disposition, it's an apprehension, it's a, it's a confidence that something can change. Now, we all need change. Um, We may not even know it, uh, that we need change, but that's part of our and then moments, uh, that change is needed. Uh, What do we need changing from? Well, from just about everything. Um, We typically call this being in a rut. You know, my life just kind of stuck, and I'm just kind of on this treadmill, and things are in a rut, and, and so forth, and so on. It's the matrix's blue pill, it's just this idea that life happens and we're just sort of, you know, carried along like so much Jetsam or Flotsam or whatever else. Faith is the belief that confidence, faith is the confidence that change is possible and that something can change. Now that would mean that you may not, uh, well, Paul's all comes to my mind as I've heard him again recently say this. uh, And he said this so many times when he was here. Um, this idea that faith comes when somebody quotes, gets religion. Well, nobody goes out and gets religion. You know, that implies this consumeristic culture like, I want shredded wheat, and I want a Pop-Tart, and I want this. And it's not that. You get hit upside the head, typically, with a two-by-four. That's what Paul would say. And you don't get religion. It's slammed into your face. And you're, you're, you're laid flat, and, and something happens. That's called faith. That's called uh, uh Belief that I need to change, and that change is somehow possible. That, as I was trying to elaborate on last week, and just trying to carry this conversation over, that somewhere at the end of the line, um, in the in the in the underwater cave in Nickajack Lake, as I used Johnny Cash as an example last week, uh, that that change is necessary, and change is inevitable. Either. Uh, Johnny Cash goes off to death, or uh, he he comes back to life. Either or. At those moments in the pivot point, it becomes very black and white, the Bible would say. And, uh, and faith is that agent of change, because we are justified by grace through faith. Now, we call this love. We call this, uh, uh, at the end of the line at the end of control, at the end of a sense that I can manage this and this realization that I come down to the end of the line with all of my attempts at control, whether it's a control of my children or of my job or of my health or of my life or of my death, that at the end of the line my hands are ripped open and faith happens where change occurs. With me or without me, in a really sort of naked sense, in and, a and resting sense. Uh, that is um, faith. So tw- I'm going to pause and let people come back. Uh, but one more thing. People ask, um, and it's a good thing to ask, well, can this happen some way with outside of, of the two-by-four? Because that's my point of emphasis, and it's, it's one that, that others share. Um, and I want to say, of course it can Absolutely, it can. But, but follow along. Uh, you know, you're born into a good family, good parents, and you have a good childhood, and you're raised, and, and you, you you go to a good church, and you have a good youth group. You can hear all the adjectives. Um, a good youth group, and you make a decision for the Lord, or the Lord decides for you. Either way, it works, and you're there, and everything's great. And you uh, you apply to a college, and it's not. Um, it doesn't create sort of a, a breakdown, um, but it actually, you get in, and, and you get some good friends, and then you meet somebody, and you get married, and, and, and your parents are aging well, and everything's okay there, and you get along with them, and you have grandkids, and they're fine, and, and, and your kids become raised, and your, your parents age gracefully and die well, and, and now you're in your middle age, and your kids like you, and you come back, and there's no way. You, you know how that goes. And that's, that's the expectation. That's the hope that a lot of us have. It's not the way it usually happens. And somewhere along that way there's not uh, faith because there's not any need for a change. There's, that's a track where you're on which is really faithless and there's no need for a belief. Um, certainly, and I'm being a little bit overbearing here, um, there's a belief that the Lord gave me that and directed that and you could say that's a set-apart life and a blessing. And I forget who said it, but I'm on board with them. Oftentimes, a life full of blessings is the greatest obstacle to faith. Um, that's a harsh word, but I want to sort of live with that, and I want to stop there and say that that, that can, can someone have that type of faith, th- uh, grace through faith, which we call love, absent the two-by-four? Yes, but... <laughs> My experience, both personally and then also professionally, as a a pastor and now as a counselor, uh, says that it usually happens otherwise. We're given faith, like we're given humility. um, We're not born with it. We don't achieve it. It's not something we grasp and hold on to, uh, but it's something that always remains somehow fueled from the outside and placed in us. And so, therefore... uh, the good news of that is I'm absolutely free, because if it remains outside of me, and is somehow fueled to me, and I had nothing to do with it in its first instance, I'll have nothing to do with it in its last, now we're in the realm of of provision, and freedom, and grace. Um, so I'm going to stop. That's just kind of an overview, and um, I think I'm probably going to do that in one more way next week, because that'll just be kind of the tie over, and then we'll look at the the scripture of Lazarus. Any th- comments or thoughts there? I know I had a conversation with a few of y'all um, through the week. Um, I don't know if you have any comments further.
1: I always think of Johnny Cash, and I don't even know Johnny Cash's history as well. So, but I mean, it seems like he's you know, sung in jails and everything. And some of the songs I've heard you know, describe me, what you said, you know, that the life got, started off okay, and then went downhill, 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 and then you had this moment of realism, and then you had to take the pill, you know, in the matrix. You either had to realize who you were, look in the mirror, or, and be born, reborn from that, or, or die, and so, I mean, hopefully I made myself clear, but yeah, I, mean, I agree with what you're saying about Johnny Cash, and I use that analogy also, and the two-by-four, um, but yeah, some people don't get hit with a two-by-four, and some people get hit with a bigger one than others. Um, what do you say, yeah, I mean last week I was thinking of like sad um, fontaine, but there are also people that are happy. Mm-hmm. That they have the great life that you just described, and don't get hit with a two-by-four. Do they understand faith as well? That's what part one and number two is, why can't God come into them and sort of teach them more faith uh, without hitting them?
0: Without the two-by-four. Yeah. Start with the second. You know, why doesn't he? You know, don't know. But it doesn't have to. Um, that's true. Uh, there are people that live well and relatively easy lives. I'm not going to say, well, they didn't make it The you know, the end game is always heaven. No, that's a wrong perspective right there. It's not like, well, they never suffered and so they didn't go to heaven. I mean, it's not that. And so we got to back up and say, well, what's the the point? You know, the point is really just in our I labor this point so often with folks really to give hope on this level as we go tick, tick, tick through time to, to begin to make sense of those two by fours. It's not to invite, you know, OK, well, I guess Gil wants me to go home and close my door and pray, Lord, hit me, <laughs> you know, do it. Although I did that. You know, I really did that. I mean, I was this impish 24 year old. I remember once crying about it saying, you know, i have not suffered." What an idiot! <laughs> what an idiot! And now karma talked about that last week. Karma, we have no place for it. It's not because I prayed that when I was a 24-year-old. I'm like Lord, show me, because I was way into Bonhoeffer at the time, and I was just a voracious reader, and I was just soaking this stuff up, and I knew that my life had really not been been honed, and I wanted it because I was jealous of people who had suffered. This before Maymay and kids and all that stuff. <laughs> um, you know, she would be like, "Don't do that." <laughs> Um, pray for her, by the way, really. So, um, so I remember praying that stuff. Um, now God didn't answer my prayer because I prayed it to suffer. Life happened, you know. Life happened. Um, I can tell you my story, but you know, death and, and, and disease and decay and disappointment and, and relationships, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It happens. So we, we don't we don't pray for the two by four, uh, and some two by fours are bigger than others. I don't really have a good answer for that. Um, and my mind goes to the extremes like what about that you know point in history or that person right now in some forgotten place of the world and they have literally been locked in a cellar for 26 years you know wh- wh- what about that person? Now it's horrific to think about but that's how my brain thinks because um, it's, it's actually happened and sometimes those stories come out you know, once every three or four years, we hear about some girl who's been kept in a basement of somebody's house and has been, when she was abducted as a kid, and, you know, yada, yada. Um, she doesn't need that two-by-four. None of us need a two-by-four. It's a way of beginning to approach life as it actually is. Um, I don't think we need to look too hard and too long for the two by fours until we begin to recognize them, small and large. And again, it happens, you know, in most lives, the big one, a few times. I'm not saying you would look for this every week. That's not a good life. That's not a good life. Um, it's to prepare, to be ready, to be watchful, to be aware um, that this is life as it happens. And then our our eyes change and we begin to see it not only in our own lives, but in the lives of others we have that privilege, a little bit of Craig's sermon, to share in, in the sufferings of others, in their two-by-fours. And that's actually a pretty profound part. So that's a ramble. It didn't quite approach that. But we don't look for two-by-fours. They find us. Some are bigger than others. Um, God is God. I don't know why he seems to spare some and not others. Uh, but it's really for us to make some sense out of the way things actually are. Talitha? Isn't it just another way of saying what Jesus said, how difficult it is for the rich to enter
2: into the kingdom of God? I mean, when you have blessing upon blessing upon blessing,
0: you have a, yeah. an illusion of some Yeah, because money is, is, is a way, I would say, even our primary way. And he was speaking very specifically about money there. Okay. Um, it, 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 it is an illusion of sufficiency. And it's, a, it's control security. and security. And so... Uh, it makes it very difficult to be loved. Um, I'm going to leave it that way. Money makes it very difficult to be loved, um, and so yes, I think that's exactly it. So, Mike, so, good it's a conversation. I think,
3: with, with Lazarus, you know, I think about Jesus, the Bible saint, Jesus wept, mm-hmm. and so that you know it's it, it it's God in the face even of God's own. Um, two-by-four sees yes. the tragic nature that it, nevertheless it is tragic and, and painful um, and really in the great scheme of things it shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but nevertheless, you know, I mean, so I think that there's, I and mean, that's just a little bit
0: different. Yeah, it, 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 this two-by-four then knocks us over here and we see things differently. Now we're not going to be knocked over to see things the way the Lord sees them. And oftentimes people want to say we can and the scriptures speak of that. So have the mind of Christ among you, etc. and so forth. I think that's out there. I don't think I do. Cuz here in the story, I want to make a bridge. Jesus even says, and I'm going to skip a little bit here. What a word here. Let me let me find this. Um Jesus speaks in metaphor, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I will go to awaken him. And uh, the disciple said, Well, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he'll he'll be okay. He'll recover. And now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant taking rest and sleep. And then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there. Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad. (laughs) Now, that's not a perspective I think anybody's really ever going to fully get. That's Jesus saying, you know, I'm I'm not going to let you be me. I have ways that you will not ever completely understand. And we were talking about this some last week, um, sort of the the uh, the um, uh, I'm sorry, Eponine. Uh, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad because my glory will be revealed. And his glory is always the cross. Now John is very consistent here. If you want to have a Bible code and you need that and sell a book or whatever, have a Bible code that just says when Jesus speaks of his glory in the Gospel of John, he's speaking about his death. Code: glory equals cross. Um, so somehow he's beginning to connect the death of Lazarus and his 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 the sign that he will perform. Uh, will be the sign that points towards his death. It's the story of Lazarus, which happens just before Palm Sunday, which gives us the context of why the whole of Jerusalem came out to see him in a tizzy and was throwing down the palm branches, saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He had just raised Lazarus, who had been dead for four days. So the King James Version elaborates, for he stinketh. You know, he had been in there and he was rotting. He was past the point of recognition. That, that's what the four days means, um, uh, and he brought him back. Now that would get the the town sort of, you know, come see this guy. That's Palm Sunday, and this is what what decisively then set the stage for the for the for the Jews for the Pharisees to say, no more. We're going to kill him, and they plotted to kill Lazarus because of all this, and they had to squelch this time. So anyway, I got off. Let's look at the story a little bit because I do want to look at um. Caravaggio. Um, we'll just go to the uh, the money parts. Um, I think that's the right setting. Yeah, that's it. Um, and then there's the word. And then Jesus deeply moved. Now this deeply moved is a really interesting word. Uh, elsewhere it's translated as scolded. When Jesus was deeply moved, and he scolded the uh, uh, the one of the lepers in like Luke, um, not to follow him. It was in Mark, not to follow him, uh, but to go back. Uh, it's the same word. And here, it's a very complicated word to sort of translate. And so, but in a certain sense, uh, right before it says, um, it appears twice. You can see there in verse. 33. When Jesus saw her, Mary, weeping, and the Jews who had come with her were also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit. And so he was having this conflict, this war, where in his spirit he was scolding himself and, and his sort of insides were being turned out. Uh, and he was greatly troubled, and he said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. And so the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have also kept This man from dying. So they were remembering John 9 just like we did last time. Couldn't the guy who did that do this? And it continues in the same word. And then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So there's the belief and faith. And so they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on the account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to him, Unbind him and let him go. So there's lots here. Um, Lazarus come out and the man who had died uh, came out, his hands and his feet bound with linen strips. And Jesus' command was, Unbind him. That's the word that's used throughout, especially the New Testament, to uh, uh, to, to to be loosened from the grip of sin. Um, Paul keeps that word very very much in the forefront of his uh, of his writings uh, as well. So this word, Lazarus, come out. Here's um here's Caravaggio's painting. Um, I'm gonna turn all the way down because you can't see very well. That's not it. Um, a little bit sort of, what's the word, uh, anachronistic where it's Christ a little bit more in, in, the, uh, in the early 17th century with not coming out of a cave per se. But obviously that's Jesus on the far left uh, uh, with the, the black robe and the, and, the, and the red arm coming forth. And you can see his finger pointing, um, although it's at the command of the word, Lazarus come forth, or Lazarus, Come out similar to um, the famous uh, uh, painting in Michelangelo's um, uh, in the Sistine Chapel of the Creation of Adam. That's the on, on this time. It's the hand of God on the right, the hand with uh, with great intent and and uh, and purpose that's reaching forth to the rather limp hand of Adam. Uh, it's a visual depiction of the word event. Um, The Word is the creative Word, Um, the Word of God which creates rather than finds that which is pleasing to it. And so when God said, let light be separated from darkness, it happened. He didn't need a hand, so to speak. He didn't even need to use his own hand to say, let life enter Adam. Or he didn't need his own hand to say, uh, when I touch touch you, you're, you're, you're free, kind of freeze tag kind of stuff. But but it's a visual depiction um, of the Word made flesh, the incarnation of the Word of God, um, when, when God says, let Adam be Adam, going forth. And Michelangelo captures that with the purposeness of, uh, of the hand. You can see, I think he probably had the same idea with the hand of Christ, except it's the opposite uh, side of the frame, reaching over to, to the dead Lazarus, who's the, the glory of God in Christ's cross is obviously being... Um, Brought forth a little bit uh, as as Lazarus assumes a cross-like pose uh, with Mary and Martha, um, Lazarus's sisters. Um, you know, very close to uh, to Lazarus's um, uh, uh, face, especially one of them, sort of cheek to cheek. Now, and I'll need Clayton to come in here. Uh, uh, Caravaggio. It's interesting. I keep going back to him in the classes that I do, and I use him for art just because he, he 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 did it so well, and he's got so much to draw from. That is, I've learned a little bit about it. He was this, this master of, of, uh, of the light and the dark. And what's that called, Clayton? Kieroskuro. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Um, so it's this, uh, this, this style of using the contrast, even the collisions of light and dark. Well, this is Jesus, the light of the world, which he said in John 9, and we looked at last week. He said it in John 8, John 9, and he also repeats it. We didn't read it, but he repeats it here in John 11. Uh, Jesus, the light of the world, is really sort of commanding the light and the darkness here, and I think that's all embedded in in the style of Caravaggio. He's really got that. Look at the hands of Caravaggio. Um, and this, I'm getting some help here. This is some things that I read about over the week. Uh, with the light facing Christ, as if the, when, as Christ command, uh the light. Enters the hand of Lazarus. You can look at both of them. Where there's the, the 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 side that's facing Christ is plainly enlightened, and it's the hand, especially his outstretched right hand, is the one that's um, sort of where life begins. Uh, both hands have a stark uh, contrast, collision of light and dark, of death and life, of um, of power and uh, absence. Um, I'm gonna hit pause. Any comments on 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 this painting? What it evokes from you, or or questions, or or anything I've said so far? And then I'm gonna wrap up. Uh huh. Mhm. Mhm. With his finger in his side and. Yeah. I have a question. Uh huh. Do you know whom he painted this for? Um I remember it was almost when he it was one of the last things he did. Uh he was he killed a man in that right? And I think and he was about to be um about to be uh uh, caught, or at least he was living in fear with that, and he certainly had the guilt, they think, some do, that he wrote himself into this, this or painted himself into it. Uh, so this isn't a question, answer your question, Virginia, I don't know who he painted it for. But they think that maybe, it's, uh, it's not sh- nobody's sure, but that Caravaggio is in fact the man holding Lazarus, the darkest part of the painting. Um, great quote, I did read, I don't know if this is actually what he said, but it still preaches well. Um, Caravaggio was a Catholic, and so they separated sins into to, to mortal and venial. Deadly sins, the seven deadly sins, the mortal sins, those are the sins that if you don't confess and have absolution for, you'll go to hell. Um, or venial, not so bad, um, you'll just spend, you know, a couple of, you know, 10,000 years in, a, in purgatory. Uh, Ha. Somebody approached uh, Caravaggio about uh, that kind of confession. He says, it doesn't matter. All All my sins are mortal sins anyway. He nailed it. There is no such thing as a deadly sin. All sins are deadly, for the wages of sin is death, the Bible says. What you get is death. And so he painted himself in the darkest part of the entire painting, looking away from Christ. It's a man who's grappling with uh, his own darkness uh, as the light of the world is opposite of him, and it's on his backside. But his face, like the face of Christ, are the two that are the most shrouded in darkness. Now, what would that mean? Um, did he think that he was you know, really uh, not... Um, within the reach or the scope of the saving grace of the light of Christ. I, I don't know. I don't know him that much. Um, I would say that he would be wrong if that's what he thought. Um, but I think it's pretty interesting. That's where he, he may have painted himself in. I think that that interpretation is a good one.
2: But him holding the body is his way of grappling
0: with it and saying, I want to be part of it. Oh, absolutely. So, no, it's, it, would be, it would be him grappling and in conflict that greatly troubled... Like, you know, an inward, inward spirit scolding itself. You know, what Christ himself did, right? Which led to Jesus wept. Uh, you know, it evokes that type of, of feeling. Now, hopefully, if the art is, is, is doing its piece on on us to some degree or another, um, psychologically we'd call that abreaction or catharsis, where we're cleansed and we're sort of, you know, have a violent expulsion of an inward uh, uh, experience, we connect at some level with that, that uh, greatly distressed part where we're uh, being read by the word, um, and in this sense the word painted, uh, which becomes in itself uh, living and, and pulling from us a response. That response would be faith. That response would be, this is the, this is the, uh, the revelation of my rut. This is the revelation of my need for change. This is the revelation of my powerlessness to do anything about it. Uh you know, Carvaggio is recognizing that Lazarus is dead. I am not. Lucky him.
2: Yeah. It's right before the two. He sees the two by four coming and he hasn't deflected or received the punch yet. Now, the attention as he's holding the
0: body and it's still in readyness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. you're almost in more tension because you wonder if he's going to get it yeah and so he captures that moment of pivot yeah and, yeah Ria and he also wonder if he is identifying with Lazarus that's
2: me mm-hmm. and not unlike the rest of us when you see God making name in someone else's life it hasn't been on us and if, if God brings him back to life and that's in, in a way Mm-hmm. It looks
3: like Lazarus is already resurrected and still see the effects of his being. It's an ambiguous pose because obviously he's raising one hand and yet his head is back. Yeah. You know, and it's like he's holding to this hope of that Jesus has done he's un- also he's unwrapped at that point. Mm-hmm. So it's like he's holding to this this Realization that Christ has done this, God's capable of this, and yet you still have the effects of death. That's evident.
0: Hmm. That's good. Yeah. Ellie? Yeah,
2: well, I don't know this speaks exactly in the, in the pain, but I was just thinking. I don't really. I don't know that. And this is just me. I wonder if Jesus was really worried. About, I, I just don't know that he was hoping. I think that um, he knew that this happened. And he was glad because they had, he had talked to them about him and what was going to happen to him. And this was the opportunity to show them mm-hmm. so that they could see for themselves that what he said was true and that he had the power. He knew he had the power. Yep. And, and this was his chance to show. So I just, I just think he wasn't worried about the death part. He was sad because they had suffered and because they couldn't see the um, the resurrection the way that he could I would agree they couldn't see that this was the chance for death to be overturned with life all they could see was death they couldn't see and they're they're gray because they're they're sorry they're they're sorrowful and he's not because he knows the end from the beginning and he's just not worried about it I don't know.
0: He's in complete control and a lot of that control is mysterious to us. Um, I will leave it with that. Um, I think you're exactly right. This is not a Jesus. Let me look, let me close with this. Um, uh, you Remember the movie that caused such a furor here in Alabama, The Last Temptation of Christ. Who directed that? It was William Defoe? Was Christ? And you know, had the swoon theory, came off the cross, and married Mary Magdalene, and had a baby, and all that stuff. Uh, you know, complete bunk and all that, but it's got a great scene of the raising of Lazarus. Um, that's the only reason I brought that up. But uh, in that scene, and then the whole sort of heresy that is that, that, that book, Nico Kazantzakis or whatever, uh, it's not an omnipotent Christ. It's a Christ that's wondering along the way, too. Is this really going to work? And he's like, Lazarus, And he's like, and Christ as surprises as anybody that, that Lazarus actually emerges from the cave. That's not it, you know, and there's no... can't see it anymore. Just to your point, I mean, Christ knows what he's doing, and death matters, which is why he died. Lazarus' death mattered. But the perspective falls when it says, well, how come Lazarus got to be raised and, you know, my blank didn't? We're, we're then thrust to the uncomfortable waters of God's wisdom, and his ultimate purpose is beyond what matters to us. And death really matters. I mean, our fear of death is is so infective. That's a word. I mean, it, 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 it colors a lot of what we do. I'm going to leave it with that, and we'll pick that up with Pilate next week. Um, so, let me pray. Lord, collect this uh, whole time um, uh, and do your work with it as it was left open. Uh, allow your word to, uh, to continue. Uh, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.